0: It's good to be here with you today. And uh, as I stand here in front of you, I feel pretty certain that those of you who are here in this room and those of you who are with us online, uh, are, that I'm among a crowd of people who love Jesus. And, and that if I were to ask you, and I won't, but if I were to ask people to raise their hands if you love Jesus, most if not all of you would, would do so. And that's comforting. It's wonderful to be together as folks who are loving Jesus. And it is not always easy for us to love what Jesus has to say to us or has to teach us. In fact, one of the ironies that I find is sometimes I find that the people who seem to be working the hardest to say that they love Jesus or to wear shirts or bumper stickers or other things that say they love Jesus – seem the least interested in actually following what Jesus has to say in the Gospels. But that's a sermon for another day. Some of the things that Jesus teaches us are hard. A friend of mine, Joy Jordan Lake, wrote a book a few years back entitled, Why Jesus Makes Me Nervous. And she wrestles with some of these passages that are hard, that are challenging, that are things that maybe we would rather not hear. And the passage that we take a look at today may be, at least from my perspective, one of the very hardest. It can be one of those that is an all out, fingers in the ears, I am going to ignore you kind of a passage. In fact, as I was reading it this week and thinking about that, the, the thing that came to mind for me is a scene from a number of years ago from the movie Beverly Hills Cop. Anybody remember that movie with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. And there's this scene where he does not want to hear what his partner has to say, and he says, La, 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 I am not listening to you, Jeffrey. Or in this case, I am not listening to you, Jesus. It's kind of how this, mes- this passage makes me feel. And so, uh, Guilty, along with Ben and Catherine and other members of our worship design team, we chose these passages for these three weeks in the month of February uh, to take a look at some of the selections from the Sermon on the Plain, as it's called, in the Gospel of Luke. It has its somewhat parallel in the Gospel of Matthew, which is more familiar, and probably for a lot of good reasons, and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought this week, you know, it sure would have been easier if we had chosen the Sermon on the Mount instead of the Sermon on the Plain. Because then last week, Ben could have preached on the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew chapter five, which are a little softer and gentler around the edges than, than what we find in the Gospel of Luke. And then because we're going in sequential order, then then what comes next in the gospel of Matthew would have been a whole lot easier for me to preach. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go let your light shine because you're special. I mean, who doesn't want to hear that, right? But alas, we are in the gospel of Luke. (laughs) And it's different. It goes to a different place right after those blessings that Jesus offers. And so I just want to invite you to keep your hands and fingers in your lap or sit on them if you have to, to keep from putting them in your ears Um, and resist the temptation to tune the gospel out today as we hear it from Luke. Will you follow along with me as I read these verses from Luke 6? But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks. And don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. You will be acting the way children of the Most High act, for He is kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. And sometimes it's a little easier to say thanks than others, isn't it? Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit and breathe life into the words that I speak today that they might carry a word from you into our hearts and lives. Amen. Jesus begins this this section of the sermon today in this way. I say to you who are willing to hear, notice that right at the outset, Jesus offers a, a qualifying phrase. If we look at... A literal translation, if we we take the Greek New Testament and try to translate it as literally as possible, it, it goes something like this. I say to you now, the ones listening, or on the other hand, if we go to one of the more recent translations or paraphrases of Scripture, the message, Eugene Peterson translates it this way, I say to you who are ready for the truth. Those two side-by-side are really helpful for me because our willingness to hear or to listen and our readiness for truth are often closely related, aren't they? Jesus knows that not everyone in the crowd is ready to hear what he has to say. And so he says, I say to you, the ones who are willing to listen, the ones who are ready for the truth. Jesus knows that not everyone in the crowd is ready to hear what he has to say. I was thinking about a recent example of that in the times that we are living in now. Not everyone is willing to listen to the stories of our brown and black siblings, stories that would speak the truth about the pain of bias and prejudice and injustice and oppression that they face, many of them, even on a daily basis in the year 2022. There are some who are not willing to listen to those stories that need to be told and heard. There are some that are not ready for the truth that the work of anti-racism is in fact the work of the gospel. It is a part of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ in this very present time. Jesus knows that not everyone in the crowd is ready. And for those of you who write at this particular moment, based on what I just shared, are ready to respond, amen, preacher. Hold on. <laughs> Don't get too smug because the next words out of Jesus' mouth may be the ones that you aren't quite ready to hear. Love your enemies. And I imagine Jesus taking it Really slowly here. Love your enemies. Pause. Allowing that phrase to linger in the air for a little while. Enough time for the people who are present to think, who are my enemies? To form images, to begin to see Faces in our minds of who those people might be that we would think of as enemies. And then, when we've had enough time to sit with that thought, then Jesus moves on. Do good to those who hate you, do good. That's a worthwhile idea. In fact, whether it's in our time or in Jesus' time, it is is a noble quality. It is something that has always been recognized as a valued practice to do good. To do good among your friends and among your neighbors, to do good to those who are poor and those who are orphans and widows and those who are suffering. But it certainly was not nor even today for the large part in our world expected to do good toward enemies. I mean, the the order of the day was lex talionis. Do good to those who do good to you, but, but to those who would want to do you harm, very different story. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth which if we're honest with ourselves is too often the way we still view a sense of justice today, isn't it? But Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. So I was thinking about the signs that you see as you leave our property. Most of you have noticed those signs, right? Do all the good you can. A wonderful and noble idea. In fact, a bunch of you got shirts just a couple of weeks ago, and if you didn't, you can get one today on your way out that has it on the back, do all the good you can. It's a phrase that our founder, John Wesley, was famous for saying on a number of occasions because it's an important idea. Do all the good you can, all the time. And I started wondering this week, to what extent, as we use that phrase, do all the good, all the good we can, To what extent have we thought about including people who hate us among those to whom we would do good? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And the action verbs just keep on coming. Love, do good, bless, pray. And Jesus begins with these ideas to to start spelling out particular ways to fulfill that command to love enemies. And he doesn't stop there. Then he moves from the general to the specific. If someone slaps you on the cheek, go ahead and turn the other one as well and if someone takes your coat which in this case Jesus would be talking about a situation where someone was owed a debt and they took your coat as payment Jesus says well if they're going to take your coat don't hold your shirt back either go ahead and give that to them as well and notice here that these are not passive responses. This is not Jesus saying simply take whatever is coming to you. No, this is Jesus pointing people to active and bold responses to harm inflicted by others. And in those bold actions, those who are willing to listen are being invited Called to invite their perpetrators to examine their own actions because if somebody has just slapped you on the cheek and then you willingly turn the other, if someone has just taken your coat, the coat that will keep you warm in the dead of winter, and you say, well, here, go ahead and take the rest of what I have that's keeping me warm as well, That's not just passively standing by. It is an active resistance. It is is a response that does not avoid conflict. It may even be confrontational. And sometimes that's what love looks like. And at the same time, notice that it is never violent. It is never retributive. Jesus keeps going. Give to everyone who asks of you. And don't demand your things back from those who take them. And I don't know about you, but for me, this is the point in this message where I want to say, well, Jesus, that is just not practical. I mean... If we gave to everybody who ever asked of us, then it's very possible that we could completely run out of what we have, right? I mean, that's what it would feel like. That's what we think when we think, give to everyone and don't hold back and don't ask for anything back. But Jesus isn't asking us to be practical. He's asking us to be different. And this is the idea that gets crystallized in his next sentence. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. Now, how often do we size up our treatment of others based on the treatment that we have already received from them? Or maybe the treatment that we expect is coming from them. And so we measure our own treatment based on what we think we know about this other person that we are interacting with. But Jesus doesn't say treat people in the same way that they treat you or treat people the way that you anticipate them to treat you. He says treat people the way You would want them to treat you, regardless of what you know about how they have or how they might treat you. Jesus says, You go first. Don't wait to see what somebody else is going to do. You go first. It's about breaking the cycle. You see that right not just this but the whole this whole section it's about breaking the cycle this is Jesus inviting those who are willing to listen to participate in what he has already initiated in his coming it is about having a way of being in the world that reflects the character of God. A way of being in the world that leads to life and not death. A way of being in the world that brings glimpses of the kingdom here and now. Jesus, like any wise rabbi or teacher, revisits the main points of this part of the sermon as he closes this section out. He goes back and refreshes. In case you missed it earlier, here's what I said. Love your enemies. Do good. And lend without expecting anything in return. And if you do these things, Jesus says, there will be a great reward. Anybody else get excited about rewards? Only the reward that Jesus mentions here, it's not a bigger bank account. It's not a mansion in the sky even. It's not a life of ease and comfort. The reward, we will be recognized. People will see who we are, that we are acting like children of the most high God, the one who is compassionate and therefore then who sees in us living out these commands, that same compassion. So come to think of it, this moment in the sermon in Luke actually isn't all that different from this moment in the sermon in Matthew. Because when we love our enemies, when we do good to those who hate us, that is salty behavior, my friends. And when we bless those who curse us and when we pray for those who mistreat us, that is turning on the light in the darkness of this world. And when we do these things, we actually are special because we point people to the one who first loved us. And there could be no greater reward than that. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we've heard you. We pray that we might be willing to listen and to respond in ways that invite others to see you at work through our lives and through our witness. Amen.